week, Sean Lennon preached um, uh, uh, the, sermon, the first sermon in the series um, about Jesus invites everyone to the table. Jesus eats with everyone. Um, this week, I'm looking at Judas, um, and we've been going through Luke chapter 22. We'll go through 22 and part of 23 as we journey through this season of Lent, um, specifically around this idea of passion. Now, uh, passion is a word we use fairly often. I preached a whole sermon on that a couple weeks ago about your passions and what, what God has put inside of you that you love to do, you want to do, something that you just think would make cre- create a kingdom impact. Um, sometimes we have passions around like uh, hobbies and we get confused about what our passion is, but, but we talked about all that. I don't want to talk about that now, but there's another kind of passion. It's the kind of passion that Jesus went through and it wasn't so much fun for him. The Passion of the Christ, you've probably seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and it talks about or like shows his uh, ultimate suffering and the, the, the difficulty that he went, to, went through, and specifically what we're going to talk about today, which is the betrayal that he experienced by one of his closest friends. Now, next week, um, so I just want to like peek behind the curtain here a little bit. Uh, I have skipped one section of Scripture in the chronological flow of Luke chapter 22. We've skipped one. We're going to hit that next week. And here's why. Um, We are doing this series in conjunction with New Albany, and their pastor, Rachel Billups, is coming here next Sunday to preach that message that I skipped, because she's preaching it there today. And... (laughs) And they get to have the chronological flow because I'm going to preach this sermon there next week. Do you see how that works? So we had to be the confusing one because we're the little sister. You know, it's a, I was the youngest brother. You know, I got stomped on by my big sister. She's there now nodding in agreement. But that's what's happening. Here's the thing. If there was ever a Sunday that I would ask for you to do a favor of me to come and bring your friends and family, it would be next Sunday. I would love for you all to experience the preaching and messages of Rachel Billups. Rachel Billups is a nationally recognized speaker. She's an amazing and accomplished pastor, uh, written lots of books. She's, she's tremendous. You're going to love her. So I can't be here to introduce her to you. Um, that's my introduction, all right? She's fantastic. Be here. Come next week. I don't care if it's raining or snowing or whatever. Please come. If you're watching online and you're thinking, ah, I could come, come. Be a part of what's happening in the room next Sunday. Amen? Amen. I've never asked of you much of anything. Please, next week, come. Also, it makes me look good. (laughs) No, I want you to welcome her. Uh, uh, New Albany Church has done uh, good things with us and for us as our connection has grown over the last uh, year or so, and I want us to honor them well. Uh, and, I'll, and like I said, I'll be over there preaching there. And they have two services. She, it's, a, it's not a fair swap, you know. I got to do two. She only has to do one, but whatever. So today, we're talking about betrayal. In particular, uh, Jesus is uh, being betrayed by Judas um, we will see later on in our, in, our, in our series where he's also betrayed or denied by Peter, but this one's a little bit different with Judas. When I was in second or third grade, somewhere in around there, 
um, my friends and I were riding bikes, um, and I, there was a new development happening. Um, do you guys know where 21st Street is here in Newark? And, and then Community Wesleyan Church, you're familiar with where I'm talking about? Behind there, there's a whole bunch of houses, but it wasn't always like that. There wasn't always houses there. At one point, there was just dirt when they were building those houses, and my friends and I went over there to ride our bikes on the hills of dirt and all the things, and we were having a good time, and we were having fun, until these older boys came up, and they were also wanting their territory to ride their bikes. It's kind of like Stand By Me, only there was no dead body, you know? Like these older boys came to just kind of like, like bully the younger boys, and, and here's, here's what they did. They come over to us, and they said, who's your ringleader? And honestly, I was like, that guy. That's not, and I pointed to my best friend. I'm like, and he kind of was. Like, he was our ringleader. And I was like, it's, it's him. His name was also David. Um, it's him. And then they got really aggressive, and they actually attacked my best friend. And I was so scared, because I'd never seen anything like that before. I've never been part of something like that before. I was a second grader that grew up in Croton, y'all, okay? I've never seen anything like that before. So I did what every best friend does. I ran. Uh-huh. I ran. I got out of there. We told, all, all of us did. We left him behind. I cringe every time I tell this story now. Like, I hate that I ran. I hate, I hate it that I did that. We ran, and we got the mom of the person whose house we were staying with, and like, because they lived on, like, across 21st Street. She came back. She helped us get, he had a little bloody nose, and he was hurt, but not, not terrible. But I, I, I feel bad about that uh, because uh, now it's like, now go stand in the corner and think about what you did, you know. And, and I feel terrible because I betrayed my best friend. Has anybody ever betrayed anyone? Have you ever betrayed someone? Have you ever done that? Any, I'm the only one here. Have you ever lost the trust of someone? Have you ever sold somebody out? Have you ever thrown somebody under the bus? Okay, it's dead silent in here. I'm the only one willing to confess. How about this then? There's another side of it. Have you ever been sold out? Oh, now, yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, I will admit that part. Have, has your best friend ever thrown you under the bus? When I was in college, uh, we had, I was a music major. Carrie, you always say something. Oh, brother, a music major. Yeah, I was a music major. I got my degree in music. It does very little for me now except create arguments in rehearsal. <laughs> but I was in college. Uh, uh, we, we had theory class, music theory class, which actually is really hard. Um, they would, uh, the professor would send home the exam with us so we could do it in our dorms. It would take several hours to do. There's no way to get it done. In, in a one-hour period of time, so we'd take that home. And uh, uh, for, for those of us who were in music theory class together, we thought that meant open book and group discussion. Um, so we just worked on it as a group project together, and the problem was when we would all get the same wrong answer, um, that became a little bit of a problem. So what we discovered was if we'd all get the, the right answer we felt pretty comfortable with, we would do that. And then if we couldn't agree on something, we'd all just have varying answers, so we'd all get the same one wrong but differently. Well, that worked pretty well for two years. And then one guy routed us out to the professor. He said, are we allowed to do the exams open book and in groups? Dave and them are. 
I was like, what the heck, brother? What are you talking about? He just so happened he wasn't part of the group. I think he wanted to be a part of it. And the professor was like, no, you can't use open book and do it in groups. Why would you even ask that? Because he's feeling left out. That's why. But did you see the big yellow bus that he like threw me under? Dave and them are. Now, that's being betrayed. Now, just to finish that story, I will tell you that we continued to do that. We just felt guilty about it afterwards. So uh, we had to do it in groups or we were going to fail. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been the one who's done the betraying? If you've been following along in the series, uh, you probably know where this talk of betrayal is headed because I've already told you we're talking about Judas this week. We're skipping the garden scene. Pastor Rachel will take care of that next Sunday. Luke chapter 22, 47 through 53. says, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut his right ear off. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as, uh, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. It's easy. It's easy to do this sermon and put ourselves in the position of the hero of the story. Of course we're Jesus in this story. Of course we've all been betrayed. Of course we would try to give forgiveness. Of course everyone is out to get us. So I'll throw you a frickin' bone here, okay? Like, I'm going to give that to you. Let's talk about it. All right, you are Jesus in this story. We're going to go easy. Here's Jesus' perspective. They finished the meal together. They've gone to the garden to pray. And then here comes old Judas with a crowd of people, and he comes to betray Jesus with a kiss. Three years, three years they had walked together. Three years they had taught together. Three years they performed miracles together, and still Judas does what Judas did. It actually makes me feel better about my own leadership capabilities. Because if Jesus even got just 11 out of 12 right, like, man, I'm not doing too bad either, you know? Can you imagine how that felt for Jesus? All the time and investment Jesus put into his disciples and to Judas And still yet, Judas was the one who turned on him. Now, none of the betrayals that have happened to me have led to my death, not yet anyway. Um, But I've experienced people leaving the church to go to another church. And it's especially hard when folks will go to another church that I kind of disagree with on how they do ministry or some of their theological stances. And it's like, did you not pay attention to how we do ministry all along? Like, Like, it's so different. Because we've talked together, we've walked together, we've sat in hospital rooms together, and I helped their kids navigate life, and I did funerals for their parents, and we laughed and we cried together, and still yet they go to someplace else, or um, 
They go to a place where their pastor doesn't even know them. I've had it happen where like they'll have a death in the family right after they left us. And then they come back for pastoral care. And it's like, man, it hurts. It just hurts. It's hard. But nobody dies because of it. And then I have the choice of what am I going to do about it? Am I going to forgive them and move on? Or am I going to have spite and anger? I try for the forgiveness part because I still have to see these people in the grocery store. We live in a small town. You know, I want to be able to see them. So I go for forgiveness. But anger and bitterness can settle in if I'm not careful because it feels like a betrayal. The amount of that feeling of betrayal is directly proportional to the amount of investment in the relationship. Because if you don't care about the person that much, then you don't care so much about the betrayal. The more I've invested in the person, the harder it is to feel the sting of the betrayal. And that's why it hurts so bad, because you put your heart and your soul in that relationship. And then the person who does the betraying is not likely to come back and ask for forgiveness and repair the relationship. In fact, they're more than likely to go out and just live their best life. So what do we do? How do we handle it when somebody betrays us? Let's imagine here what Jesus did. Scripture isn't particularly clear in Luke, but in other Gospels it it is. I find it super interesting. As Sean preached last week, Jesus chose the intimate nature of eating together to announce that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that the person in the room was, there was a person in the room who's going to betray him. He's like, whoever dips this bread in the cup with me, that's who's going to betray me. He who dips the bread with me. That intimate nature of bread, and then there's this intimate nature of a kiss that reveals that Judas is the one who would betray him. In Matthew 26, same story. Is told, but Jesus says to Judas in that accounting, he says, do what you came to do, friend. Do what you came to do, friend. And the crazy thing is, if you look to see how Judas addressed Jesus, it's altogether different than how the disciples addressed Jesus. Jesus calls Judas friend. Judas calls Jesus rabbi or teacher. And the rest of the disciples call Jesus Lord. Judas had never given Jesus the position of Lord in his life. He calls him rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a teacher. Let me distance myself. He's not Lord of my life. He's a teacher for my life. He has some good things to say. Judas had never given him that position of Lord, and so the betrayal was easy. Jesus had given Judas the position of friend, so the betrayal was hard. And he still calls him friend. I think Jesus forgave Judas. I think Jesus understood the role that Judas had and he knew someone was going to do it eventually. I think Jesus forgave Judas because Jesus knows humanity and we do a lot of betraying. Judas isn't the only one to betray Jesus. We've been doing it for millennia. A couple thousand years, humanity has continued to betray Jesus because sometimes we are second grade David Warner who points at his friend and he says, that's our leader. The very hard reality is that we must grapple with sometimes we're more like Judas than we are Jesus. 
So I ask you, who are you? Are you more like Judas or are you more like Jesus? I think we are the ones who also betray Jesus. We're the ones who every time we do something that's outside the bounds of the Sermon on the Mount, we're the ones who break the trust of our friendship with Jesus when we don't include everyone at the table, when we worry about things that aren't ours to worry about, when we turn a blind eye towards suffering, when we don't forgive that slight against us, when we look to earthly officials to save us, we betray Jesus when we coddle political power to bring us some sort of authority, when we club the heads of society with our moral bats. That's when we betray Jesus. We do the betraying. We're the ones who withdraw all of our trust in a single transaction. When I was a youth pastor, I often used the analogy of a bank. Like you're working with students, you know, like, hey, students, you know, you could, you make slow, steady deposits over time to build up trust with your parents. You do your chores, you do your homework, you keep things tidy. Over the time, your parents will trust you more and more, give you more responsibility and a little more freedom. Over time, you just build up that trust. But it only takes one withdrawal to remove all of that time and effort and building of trusts. And it takes a long time to rebuild that. Sometimes betrayal is that single act of passion or defiance or neglect. Sometimes betrayal is a slow, steady progression of misguided loyalties. And so I try to put myself in Judas's shoes. I don't really want to. I don't want to be Judas. Like, I, I don't want to admit to being more like Judas. But more often than not, the way I behave and function in the world is more like Judas than it is like Jesus. Much of the time, I think I look more like Judas. Let's think about Judas's mindset for a second. I like the access that I have to the leader. I'm an insider. I like to know what's going on behind the curtain a little bit. I like being in the popular crowd. I like knowing that I have access to something or someone that maybe you wish that you had access to. I like having a commodity that you want. I like knowing that resources are at my disposal that not everybody can have or get to. I like knowing that I have something y'all don't have. Can you see how that could be a motivation for somebody to get close to a leader? You see how Judas might go, actually, I have this access. And for a little bit of money, you can have this access too. How many of you might admit that you like to have that access as well? I know somebody who only calls me when there's juicy bad news to tell. Ooh, did you hear blah, blah, blah? Because they have access to this information that I don't care about. Now take it a step further. If somebody offers you something else that you want in exchange for that access, you start to see your own desires more than you see the bigger picture of relationships or the goals of your organization or the mission of the church or whatever it is you're a part of. The smaller vision of what you want becomes greater than the vision of what is best for everyone. And so a betrayal happens. 
You become blinded by your own selfish ambitions, unable to see beyond the veil of your own desires. And so, betrayal happens. I think for Judas it started long before a kiss. I don't think it it started then, and it didn't start at the meal. It started as soon as he had access that he thought he could capitalize on that was greater than the mission that Jesus was teaching about all along. It's happened long before that. We know the story of Judas, though, what happens to him after. Matthew 27 records that Judas felt such remorse for his action that he returned the money to the chief priest, and he went out and he hung himself. It's a really tragic ending to a really tragic story. But it didn't have to end that way. It didn't need to stop that way. It didn't need to end with a death for Judas. Now, I think there's lots of debate whether or not Judas is in heaven. You know, did he die? He committed suicide, so did he go to heaven? I don't know about all that. I mean, he didn't trust in Jesus as Lord of his life, so do with that what you want. Does he recognize Jesus as Lord in the next life, at the time of judgment? I don't know. Here's what I do know. For us, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Here's what does matter. The saddest part of it is this. He didn't join the kingdom of heaven at hand in this life. He was right there walking with Jesus, the Son of God. He talked three years he walked with Jesus, and he still missed it. He could not get out of his own way. He couldn't live in the community that Jesus was establishing. He just had to do things his own way. And his smaller vision of what he he wanted, he could never open it up to see the greater vision of what Jesus was doing. And I'm so sorry for him for that. But you don't have to miss out on it. And neither do I. There's a way of life that Jesus is, is, is teaching us to include everyone at the table. Judas didn't want that, and he withdrew his entire balance of trust for 30 pieces of silver. Now, I know, despite the fact that nobody was willing to admit it, I know that you have, at some point in your life, betrayed somebody. And I know that because you're human. You've done it. I've done it. I've done it worse as an adult now than I have as a second grader than in the story I was willing to tell you about. But it doesn't have to end the way that it ended for Judas. Forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness can be granted. Trust can be built back up. Time can repair those wounds. But you may have work to do. If you've been more like Judas than you have been like Jesus and you don't want to end up like Judas, then I urge you to do a couple of these things that will be on the screen here. Acknowledge your responsibility. you got to admit that you were in the wrong and make your errors and that you caused that pain. you got to acknowledge responsibility. Express empathy. You have to care about the person that you've betrayed and see it from their side. you got to seek forgiveness. Don't just say, I'm sorry, but truly ask to be forgiven. Look, look out and, and accept the consequences. There might be a plan for restoration. Just because forgiveness may be granted doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. Give space. Sometimes uh, uh, the other person just needs time and space to process what happened. 
Then demonstrate change. Be consistent about it. If you're a changed person, then be a changed person. Don't revert back in two weeks to the old person that you used to be. Practice self-reflection. Maybe think about why you did the betraying in the first place. Why did Judas feel like he had to do that? What do you lack that caused that to happen? And then stay open to feedback. Always be flexible and open to what the person has to say. Look, I wish we could all be more like Jesus all of the time, but the reality is we're not. I wish this sermon was easier to preach because it's, it's just, yeah, I thought about this. Let's talk about forgiveness. Well, let's talk about asking for forgiveness because sometimes we're on the Judas side of that and we do the betraying. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us and he sneaks up into us every now and then at certain times in certain relationships. So I urge you, identify where you've been Judas and perhaps make amends with those you've betrayed. And where you've experienced Judas in your life, seek forgiveness of those people because you might understand them a little bit better now once you've examined the Judas in your own life. And when you examine yourself, you can determine if you are more like Jesus or more like Judas and start to align yourself with the way the Father would want you to be. And he can work that transformative work within you so that you can be more like Jesus. Let us pray. God, this might be a hard teaching for some of us to hear, a hard teaching for some of us to preach, uh, to know that we have been the ones who've done the betraying to, to accept responsibility, to admit where we've made wrongs happen and have been wrong and not just where we have been wronged. And so God, as a people who are on a journey to become more and more like your son Jesus Christ, we ask, Lord, that you help turn our hearts so that we're less and less like Judas and more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, be with us in this moment. We're going to close this service and uh, we'll, we'll sing a song together. I hope you just honor the moment and uh, don't rush off and leave, but be in prayer. How have I been more like Judas than like Jesus? And turn that over to God today.